Hey, Printers, welcome back to the Printavo Printers podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We've got Mr. Stephen Farrick out of Campus Inc. Really cool episode. The couple days after Print Hustlers Conf hangover, um, a lot of Fort Worthing the last month or so with impressions and Print Hustlers Conf. So it's good to be in Texas. Good to be back home. I'm excited for this episode because we're going to debrief um, Print Hustlers, which is cool. But you took a personality test the other day. Oh, you want to jump in? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to talk about Print Hustlers real quick? Print Hustlers Conf 2022 uh, was incredible. There was over 200 people there. It was in Fort Worth, Texas, which is different, right? Normally it's in Chicago. And we wanted to create more of a camp-like experience. So more hanging out and uh, togetherness. And so you leave with that, you know, fun feeling versus a straight talking conference uh, that I'm sure everybody's been to. I want to, I'm curious on your thoughts. So there's two things I wanted to do. One, I'm curious on your thoughts and you could just rant on that. And then also go through some highlights of speakers and things that you remember and want to call out because I've got some, some stuff too that I think is pretty neat that they shared. Well, uh, it was my birthday weekend. So, uh, that's right. Fair. It was 39, 30. Yeah. 39. No, (laughs) I'm not 39. Uh, but it was super rad because I was talking to Carson about it. I'm like, I get to be with my best friends. Uh, I get to be with, um, all my printing friends talking about printing, uh, we got to go to a Mavs game on Friday, which didn't suck. Yeah. Um, that was pretty cool. Thanks Mark. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was all in all awesome. And thanks Andy for having the whole, um, auditorium, uh, sing to me. That was really special. So thank you. Um, but beyond my birthday, uh, I thought it was super cool how, um, shops were able to move around different parts of kind of Texas. So like on Saturday at printed threads going over like Printavo stuff with Marcotte, then going into stockyards at what would be the coolest, coolest space I think I've ever been in, mm-hmm. um, for, for, to, to, to listen to all that. Um, I think it was called cowboy studio, cowboy mm-hmm. channel studio, cowboy or something. Channel studio yeah. that was sick. And then, uh, Monday being able to tour shops, tour SNS, made lab, uh, trust, um, just, just super cool. I felt like there wasn't, and there was nothing that was stale and, uh, the MC was all right too. Uh, I think he did a, a pretty awesome job with all of his, um, yeah, he, if, if you had to write an SOP on emceeing, uh, just watch print hustlers conf because Justin Lawrence crushed it. Yeah. So, um, speakers were Cowboy awesome. I brought, I, I brought my production team. Um, they were jiving yeah, with you everyone. Did bring the, you did bring a squad and I've noticed other folks will try to bring their, you know, their team too. What, what was your thoughts around that? Like we heard it in the first talk, right? Like if you want to implement lean, it starts with people, right? And you have to get buy-in from people. And so I've brought my sales and marketing team before to like Long Beach, but I felt like our production team, um, they're in a grind and, and they needed it. And it was cool for them to have their own conversations, for them to furiously take notes, for them to listen to shop hacks and, and, and all that stuff, because it's only as good as them, right? What they take back is more important than what I take back at this point in the business. And so... That was super cool, and it's really rewarding when you can bring your team and they get pumped up about it as well. And they can meet faces and meet the Supercolor team and meet the GraphX team and you know meet shops that we will sub out jobs to and stuff like that. So I thought that was super cool. Um, and then I also thought it was super cool how many new faces, like mm-hmm. new shops, 
Um, so many new shops I've never met before and just cool to see, uh, to see a bunch of new faces and old ones. Yeah. What about you? Um, there was like 10 or so people that were at the very first one five years ago. So pretty nuts, right? Like, um, I I was trying to figure out, was it 2016 or 2017, but it was 2017. It was the first one. It was a, we work kind of a coffee shop type of vibe. We didn't have chairs. We had a lot of couches that we found in in their little like living room space. Um, I, Chris, my wife sent me this picture of me and you trying to figure out this HDMI cable issue. I remember that like the laptop wasn't presenting to the screen. Oh, you, but, you had like a, a microphone that you bought from like Kmart or something to use. Yeah, actually, yes, it was a microphone. I didn't know anything about that stuff. Um, it was a microphone. Yeah, it was like one of those things where you like clip onto your waist type of microphone, like a tour guide. Yeah, it's it like was, what a street performer uses in Vegas. Um, um, <laughs> you've come a long way funny. to trust to trust the right people, to trust Brett and Ryan and the Maid Lab team. Um, the AV was incredible. Seriously. Like we were like a TED, TED Talk. This was a fun episode. We've got a couple things we wanted to cover. We talked about Print Hustlers Conf. We talked about some of the notable points from different speakers. Some really cool takeaways that you could bring back to your shop. It was awesome. And we had just such a great time. There's 200 plus people there. And we're going to get into the summaries there, of which the rest of the videos will be out soon. What else we cover? We got in a personality test. You took a personality test with uh, with your team or you you took one and just me. Uh, uh, I shared mine as well from 2012 and one that we took recently and it might be a little vulnerable and we can learn about hurricane Steven and chill Bruce. Uh, <laughs> but I think it leads into a pretty cool conversation and, and, and what we're doing with our teams and stuff like that. So sweet. Um, and then last, what is the type of energy that gives you more power to keep pushing forward as a business owner and how to identify that and how to be really deliberate with that? There was a cool tweet storm that went off. Bruce, that, that was very direct. Too. I'm proud of you. That was very direct. Um, but first we got to give it to our sponsors. Um, they are awesome. Uh, we'll kick it off with Supercolor. Um, think about this. How can you print high color designs, gradients, or hard to print locations and a bunch more? Well, Supercolor has an amazing new guide on how to do all of this using heat transfers. It's got more info, uh, like different types of transfers, how to price and and where to buy a quality heat press. So you can download that ebook at supercolor.com slash print hustlers or the link in the description. You'll be able to find it. We use supercolor all the time. If you did see the shirt show uh, hats, um, they were at print hustlers this weekend and slinging it. So cool to see the supercolor team grow from rum like three or four print hustlers ago to having, having doing what they're at now. So super excited and and fortunate for y'all. Sweet. Easy way. All right, so check this out. Steven, first name off a couple of your favorite easy ways. 842 and 701. Why do you ask, Bruce? <laughs> Love it. These are Campusing's favorite easy way chemicals, cleaning dirty screens, but easy way has environmentally friendly chemicals to help you um, in your reclaim department and run efficiently. So I think the big thing too is that if you're looking for a company to partner with on this side that has really a lot of how-tos, best practices, and you can reach out to them to always help you, they have really great support. Easy Way is the go-to. Check them out. They work with over 100 plus distributors, so they're all over the place and uh, they'll help you guys optimize. Bruce, is there a reason you asked why, why my chemicals? What were my favorite ones? <laughs> I'm just curious. 
Cheers. Backstory: Bruce texted me quickly, texted me, and goes, "What are your favorite chemicals?" And I said, "842701." Uh, and then I said, "Easy Glide" as a joke, uh, because just because I was trolling Bruce. And then he read it in one of the podcasts a couple weeks ago, and he had to go and edit it because Easy Glide is not a product. Uh, might be Bruce's favorite, but uh, it is. Uh, yeah. All right, Multicraft. <laughs> Bruce, have you heard of Multicraft underscore Daddy? Um, if you need ink supplies or a daddy multicraft screen printing and digital supplies for over 50 years has been providing you with, with top brands at competitive prices. Mention the printable pod and receive an extra 10% off your order. Dave Eggers was supposed to come to print hustlers. Flight got canceled multiple times because of air force one, um, that like shut down the airport. I heard he was going to bring his new balances, high socks, uh, jorts and, and be in full dad mode. And so we'll have to, uh, have to hold that for a, for a future conference. But uh, thanks so much for sponsoring us, Multicraft. Appreciate it, Multicraft. And met a couple of Multicraft happy customers, too. They were calling Multicraft Daddy. Loved it. All right. Last but not least, GraphX Source. If you need a solution to help improve efficiency and reduce costs in your art department, GraphX Source has industry-leading outsourcing options to be able to help your shop. A lot of uh, happy customers, actually, and new customers of GraphX I met at the conference. They plug and play with Printavo or any other shop management software that you're using. So SEPs, mockups, creative work, order management, digitizing, um, customer service. I know you're using them to build stores. Um, all that good stuff. You should check them out. GraphXSource.com. Make sure to mention the Printavo pod and you get half off your first vector, SEP, or embroidery order. I got to all work right. at GraphX for a day on Thursday. It was fun. Nick Wood and Brent took me out to tacos. So... If you ever go to Dallas and want to work for a day, you can get tacos. Just mention the Printavo pod. Love it. All right, let's go. Seriously, um, hats off to uh, Main Lab for uh, making event plan. They do so many events. It was funny because Brett was so on it with event stuff. I was like, uh, should you know? Do you want me to call this caterer? Or do this or that? Or he's like, oh no, dude. Like the the squad's got. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Should I? Do you want me to help pack this stuff up or get this out of the theater? And, and I walk outside and everything's already done. And he's like, yeah, they're already unpacking at the the shop. And I was just mind blown as to how good that team was. So I've I've seen it a couple times with Brett, like before trade shows when he's got like in kitchen running something going on at the shop and trying to run a facility um, and being like a great dad. And you're just like. Wow. Yeah. You, the, you, you, you know how to do, you know how to do this uh, and you do it beautifully. So shout out, shout out to, to, to the whole team there. And I know a bunch of, bunch of unsung heroes from printed threads are probably working behind the scenes to make it all possible. So yeah. thanks to you guys for doing there, it. There are uh, interesting things that you have to think about with 200 plus people um, distributing food quickly turns to break down uh from like 100 to 200 so having multiple stations or something um estimating the right amount of food difficult uh um bathrooms you know so people aren't waiting in super long line uh what else i think those are the big things also transportation becomes trickier fortunately being at the stockyards people are able just to walk around from place to place but like Mm -hmm. you host a bar you know, how long does it take for people to get in and, and hang out? So yeah. anyway, it's, it's cool. <clears throat> Hopefully next year we can continue to grow it and we've got some other ideas that we're going to sync up on, but I want to dive into a couple of speakers, uh, and some notable things, the videos and everything will be up 
online so you guys can watch them. But a couple highlights. First off was Lucas Holland from Fast Cap. So if you've read the book Two Second Lean, this is the company that they're talking about, Fast Cap. It's where the author, uh, Paul Akers, he started this company. And Lucas Holland seemed to be like his his right hand hand man type in in uh, engineering and production uh, management and like all this stuff that that goes on. Fastcap, all of which I even didn't know that they make very random parts. It's like fasteners and uh, like plastic parts to for assembly and um, interesting you know stuff. But anyway, two second lean was the thing. What, what do you feel like were your takeaways from that? Well, I think I was sitting next to a production team. And we're all just like, wow, we got a lot of work to do. Um, <laughs> oh, just seeing but, their facility. Yeah. I mean, when they, they open a drawer they show pictures and videos, by the way, that, and that's why yeah, I, Kanban cards. And when they open a drawer and it's like, Oh, that would solve that problem. Oh. And, and we left there and had dinner and, and our team talked about like tape guns. Like it starts with tape guns. You know, it starts with people doing small little things. So, our kind of takeaway from, I mean, there was so much to take away from that talk. It was arguably one of the best, um, to see that it is possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, our takeaway was we built a little notion board. Um, we started a Slack channel called lean. Um, and we have like our, our list of like, what are the things we're going to do and what are the principles they're going to solve? Is this a five S thing? Is this a eliminate waste? But not trying to re like I, I went down the rabbit hole of lean and I'm like, there's no way we can do all of this. Let's just start with some small it's things. It's so overwhelming. And one of his first slides too, which I think was incredible is a car crash into a tree. And he said, this is what's going to happen if you think you're just going to just jump in and just start executing lean or two second lean type of stuff because it's so confusing and where do you start and you just get paralysis of not really doing anything. And there was a question in the audience too around that, like where do I start and how do I get the team engaged? And Paul even answered, he said, the first three to six months was hell. <laughs> he said it was horrible. Nobody wanted to be bought in. Nobody was excited about it. But that is the key. It's not you, the owner, swirling in there and making changes and then telling people. He said it was the team that makes the changes. Because it's like if you make 1% improvements versus 10 or 15 people making 1% improvements every day, there's a huge change. And people won't follow those changes if they're not bought in and it's their idea too. Yeah. And I think like it's not going to, there's no magic wand. You can say, Oh, we want to get lean and now it's here. Like that, that was kind of my takeaway is like, it will be a grind. Um, it will be a culture change for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was fantastic. And I believe the audiobook is for free. Uh, you can like listen to it. Um, so I thought that was, that was really awesome. Cool to meet Paul Akers over, over kind of like a webinar thing. And mm-hmm. I guess he answers all of his emails and runs a pretty tight ship. So yeah, you can text um, him too. Oddly enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess you can text back, him. Records an audio message. Um, I think that the one thing too, that he started off with was a getting the team started and B start just like labeling things and, and cleaning and putting things back every day. They said that the first half hour they spend every single day, the whole team is just cleaning and that's baked into their time, their work time. So it's never a question of having enough time. Um, and then, so coincidentally, when at the end of Pronosis Conf, we went to Trust Print Shop, in which there was four different tours, Trust, uh, Printed Threads, SNS dist- uh, Distribution Center, and Renfro Foods, 
Trust Print Shop, he did the same thing. So like every checking out station where they were boxing things together had a scale on it to measure and they had wheels to move them around. There was extra supplies like tape and boxes underneath the table. And then they had a holder for all the supplies. So a pen, um, labels, uh, scissors, tape, all that stuff was right hanging on the side too. So it was cool to see some of that stuff. Yeah. And and I think to, to cap off, like that was the first talk at print hustlers. The last talk at print hustlers was, um, the shop hacks by uh, the shirt show squad. Mm -hmm. Um, and they brought up Tony from tiny fish, um, uh, and Scott from King screen. And, uh, they just went through like all the little things they do. And I just got crazy about it. And they have a discord channel just about it, um, through shirt show. So I thought it was really cool to hear it from theoretical and how it's applied in another industry and then bringing it back to how it was actually used, um, day to day. And I thought that was really cool that Andy and Dylan were able to highlight, uh, uh, Tony and Scott for that. So I thought that was pretty sweet. What about Peter Melby boss or babysitter? That was cool. So Peter is a C or he was a founder of an IT company. So, um, you know, let's say you're running some software in house or servers or Wi-Fi or whatever, they install it and maintain it for you. And he scaled that company and then sold it to a PE firm. Um, and now helps with the PE firm. But his, uh, aspect was, are you in the babysitting corner as an owner or are you in the boss corner as an owner? And he said, a lot of us are stuck in the babysitting corner partially because we actually, or maybe majority because we put ourselves there. Um, there was a slide. I, I was just actually looking through my pictures cause I like to take pictures of slides and yeah. it said, uh, the more you babysit and then it had another area. And I said, the more you need to babysit and then an arrow back to the more you babysit of how it's like this cyclical <laughs> cycle. Um, and then I really liked, he, he talked about like citizenship at your company and what that means. And he even related it back to like attire and, and how you dress. And I like, I like the word, like being a good citizen of this company, um, and what, what that all holds. Um, and so I don't know, I, I took a bunch of notes there and I think it's boss or babysitter.com is his website. Um, I took another picture of a slide that just said people are hard (laughs) and then like what human nature is. And I thought what human nature was, he talked about like people are going to distrust each other. They're going to judge. They're going to blame. They're going to spin information. They're going to bond over negativity and how like the babysitter might lean into that. The boss is going to, is going to learn how to curb that in in, in different ways. So I, I don't know. I, I really, really enjoyed his talk and thought it was awesome. So yeah, um, com or just Google it. It'll pop up with Peter's stuff. Um, all right, next up, we've got Sarah Castillo standing on the commoditized space. She runs, uh, I believe, a bar and a couple of different taco restaurants. Um, uh, so my thoughts were that it, it made me realize that, uh, or maybe it was just more so a reminder, that in a space that is essentially commoditized, similar to ours, when there is so much demand, she was talking about that it just it, it really boils down to customer service as the first aspect that's very differentiating. Um, it's kind of like going to the store and you know you you look down the coffee aisle and there's a million different brands doing having coffee beans. How do you distinguish? 
I, I thought what was interesting is when you look at the restaurant industry, chefs and like people in the hospitality group, they constantly have to be reinventing. Like mm-hmm. you, like restaurants get stale over time. So like, I don't know what the shelf life of a restaurant is, but you could talk about all the different things that she was always innovating on all the way down to like tequila, right? Like she's always thinking about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, because the second your restaurant gets stale or, you know, maybe it's not doing so well in the community, you have to pivot quick. You have to figure something out. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that, that whole like complacency is death thing, but in the restaurant business, it's probably a little bit more cutthroat. So that was super cool. And they hosted us for happy hour, which was sweet. Yeah. Big appreciation there. Um, this one was super interesting. Nick Sambrato selling your shop lessons learned. Uh, so Nick Sembrato started a company called Mama Sauce. His presentation was really cool because he shared so many photos from him getting started. Um, they were doing digital printing, poster printing, screen printing, uh, and just his lessons learned as a business owner, right? Like he started just essentially by draining his bank account, buying things. You know, at one point he cut off digital printing, which was his biggest sales source, uh, because he wanted to be more about the craft and and uh, you know, like one color poster printing, all the way to learning how to value a print shop. And we've talked about this before, but you know what he was talking about was the factors that go into having an exit if you're looking to sell. Um, and he essentially was saying it's owner's pay um, plus your assets times some sort of, or I'm sorry, times a multiplier. Multi- yes. Yeah, so owner's pay, which is essentially is the profit of the business times a multiplier plus the assets that you have in the business. And uh, the multiplier is sort of the big unknown where it's affected by how well is the business ran? Is there good growth, right? Um, do they have a strong brand? Uh, do they have good long-term customers and so on? So I thought I took a bunch of notes here and Ooh. this this All one right, sure. hit home. So he said, he put up a slide that said, I wish I knew, things I wish I knew, inject value, not your identity into a company. And so this is something that like I struggle with. Is campusing defined by Steven or is Steven a part of this? And there's value that Steven is building in campusing. Um, and I think like shop owners, you know, can ask themselves like, am I identified by my business? Um, because if you're identified by your business, letting go or exiting is going to be way hard and that multiple is going to go down a ton. Right. And so injecting value, not your identity into your company. I thought that was super special. And he said that those were, then it changes your decision-making skills. So, so you're thinking about what's best for, you know, Steven at Campus Inc. or what's best for Campus Inc. as a business. And, you know, I'm over here as a separate identity. That's, I think, hard, especially as you sort of have to do that as an identity aspect to really grind and get the get things off the ground, but then transitioning, I think, um, to it being less about you and more about the company is, yeah. is huge. And I think what else he, he kind of, he kind of talks about like the mental fatigue of it. Right. Um, and you know, early on his, his business, how it was so hard for him to detach, but as he grew, he realized that that was necessary to grow. Um, and that the less he identified, um, made the company's identity, um, he was able to detach from it and really think about that exit. So I thought, I thought that was super cool. Um, pretty, pretty crazy and, and, and cool what he's doing, um, doing there. 
Um, yeah. And then we, uh, Ryan Kasperian couldn't make it. Unfortunately, I know he's got a bunch of cool stuff and I believe they're going to do a webinar on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it was really cool out. to hear, um, from Brett and Justin, and I believe the director of like visit, uh, Fort Worth, mm-hmm. um, and, and how to take over your town, um, and how to you know throw the party, be a part of it, uh, which I thought was really neat. So, yeah. um, that's TLDR cool. was basically they're saying pitch, you know, your, your city cool events or different things to do. They will then in turn support you. Um, it could be if you have a facility hosting something or an event or, or a music venue type of aspect or, you know, uh, uh, barbecue, whatever it is that helps the city that will in turn help you as a business and drive more sales. And, and then I think they beat around the bush a little bit in that, like, it's like, here's a way to get sales and pitch these ideas to your city, create that strong relationship. And then you're good to go. It was awesome. Um, awesome weekend. Excited for next year. I've heard some murmuring of some cities that it might be at. I don't want to leak it, but I'm pretty excited to see what you guys have in store. So keep yeah. it up. Congrats to you guys. Um, yeah. Appreciate it. Um, how, what are we talking about? All right. So I, uh, w- with the business ownership, it kind of changed and transitioned and everything. One of the things our new CEO, uh, James, who we had on the show asked us to do is a personality test, uh, for all management at the company. And, you know, y- your first reaction when I think I have to fill something out, I think I've done it like one, two or three times before is goddamn, I, you know, this is going to be, this is going to take forever. And, you know, it's just going to tell me what I know. So this one was called, uh, let me pull up the name Hogan development survey. Um, and it has to, you have to be certified. Like the company has to be certified to get it. I'm sure you could find companies if you want to do it. Um, but essentially I filled it all out. It took about an hour to fill out all the questions and, and go through. And then what we did is I had an hour with the person who is certified in this personality test and we went through it together. So there are call it, uh, maybe 30 different traits here, the ability to adjust ambition, sociability, um, prudence, inquisitiveness, diligence, all these types of things. And it rates individually, um, uh, underneath. And so she, well, let me jump to the end here. Essentially, this felt like a palm reader, very weird uh, <laughs> uh, event because she was essentially saying things out loud that I sort of knew were issues and or things I can improve as as a leader, right? And so I think when you know that your your faults as a leader, that's great. But when somebody else brings them up and sort of lays them all out in an analytical form so you could see it like graphically, it's a very much so eerie and then holy cow experience. Uh, um, and you Bruce, did something too. You, this, you right? just you just sent me yours. I'm reading this for the first time. Okay. It's on the second page. So basically they break it into subscale, different scores and different types. But I wrote a ton of notes on it so you can see in red here. For sociability, you don't like parties. You don't like crowds. You're not, you're medium entertaining. I think this is funny because you're mellow, but then sometimes you have to come out of your shell and be crazy like you did at Print Hustlers, which is weird. Kind of weirded us all out. So 
that I remember that aspect she brought up. So she said, yeah, you're more to yourself. Um, and she said in a workplace environment, you know, do you think that you're the type that just goes, grabs lunch and then gets back on, you know, your laptop or, you know, doesn't really want to have small talk. And I was like, yeah, completely because I just want to spend as much time working as possible. And she brought that up and that was a great example of, holy cow, you know, she's like, the pro of that is great. You know, you can, you're super efficient. The con is you want to make sure with your team that you're showing value to them as well. And so you have to figure that out. And I remember we had this conversation and you were like, just take somebody out to lunch every day. And so that's what I started doing is rotating through and, uh, you know, grabbing food or taking them to lunch. Different I feel like day. Bruce, you give everyone the benefit of the doubt and I don't want to knock you, but sometimes you don't give direct feedback. <laughs> that is okay. The part two for me. Um, and this is getting, uh, this is getting deep, but I'm just going to be transparent about this. So one of the thing, this category was called interpersonal sensitivity. Essentially what it is, is that, um, you're reluctant to have difficult conversations and, um, you feel that, uh, you know, you'd rather sort of let them figure it out over time. And I, and I absolutely agree with that. And I, we had one person that, that left and one of their feedback was, I, I'd like to get more direct feedback. And one thing she said to help combat it was you are doing a disservice from your team. If you're not, you know, maybe doing the, they call it the shit sandwich, right? It's like encouraging at first, like, okay, this is good. Here's what I need you to do to improve though. And then let's go do it and and we'll check in in a week or whatever it is. So that hit home. And then I asked her actually, what, what is a good book? So if you have this problem too, um, she mentioned a book called radical candor. Uh, it's uh, be a kick kick ass at work without losing humanity. So you can buy it on Amazon. I bought it right then. Bruce, how did it feel to see that and have someone tell you that? You know, it's it's weird, right? Because I know it, but for someone to say it makes me want to have more action on it now. So uh, I actually have a post-it note. I told her, I said, my post-it note over here is... uh, Number one, show appreciation. Then number two, give direct feedback. What exactly do you really want? <laughs> so I know that that was a problem, but it was it was her bringing it up was incredible. Another one for improvement, excitable. So talked about the mellowness. She's just like, yeah, you're just like, you know, not super emotional either way, which is good. You know, nothing really affects you and you just keep doing it. But the con is is if you don't, maybe people don't follow the mission as, as much when, you know, you don't get super fired up about something. And that was another great point of, all right, as a leader, you need to hire someone, you need to get them fired up about a a goal. You need to push them forward in this aspect or whatever. And how do I be able to do that more? So she's just like, be more self-conscious about your tone and especially when you're delivering things to people, make sure they understand it and they're bought in. Bruce, do you feel like there are certain traits? Okay. So like if people are listening to this, they're like, what am I, or how, how do I do this? What was your, cause if some, if, if every shop in the country were to take this right now, which would be super cool to see like mm-hmm. how they are. Do you think that there's like this wide array or do you think like business owners have some, some traits that are like super specific to being an owner of a company? 
Yeah, she brought that up that there's definitely aspects of like, for example, you just care about or and get obsessed with things and care about moving forward all the time. You're not like religious about anything. It's just like just make forward progress. Um, and she she mentioned some of those aspects and some of the like competitive or confidence areas are more on the extreme end, which aligns with the business owner. But um, but of course, everybody has things to work with. And, and it's interesting because you don't want to be too extreme in any area. Right. If you are always excitable, that becomes a bit of a baseline and people think you're you know, you're over the top. So. I think I think it what I realized is this would be so helpful for it's almost like a coach in a way, like a mini coach exercise. It's one executive hour coaching experience just to share your shortfalls. And that investment, in my opinion, can be huge to to go read or improve yourself, especially if you're leading a team now. What about yours? Um okay. So I took a disc assessment when I was in college, um, Tuesday, November 6, 2012. Um, and we had, it was like an organizational leadership or something like that class. We all took it. We had, and, and there's different things you can take out there, disc, whatever. Um, <clears throat> are you, are you going through it, Bruce? Yeah, I'm reading it now. Uh, things that stress me out, following strict rules, having to moderate pace, uh, partnering with overly cautious or indecisive people. <laughs> That's why we can never be in business together. I think, uh, being forced to give up on bold ideas, having your ideas or authority challenged, um, having to keep your opinions to yourself. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm a DI and, uh, there's basically like these different traits and, and, and things that, um, you know, of how I would make decisions and, and, and other things like that. Um, and so there's different behaviors. So D would be dominance. I is influence. Uh, S is steadiness. Conscientious is C and I am a D I. So I lack my limitations or I lack concern for others. I am impatient or insensitive. Um, I will, uh, be a risk taker, forceful, self-confident, direct fears, loss of control, being taken advantage of vulnerability. I'm motivated by power and authority, competition, winning and success. And my priorities are getting immediate results, taking action, challenging self and others. And so I like sending this to people because they're like, wow, we just learned so much about why Steven is the way he is. (laughs) Are you, how did you feel about this? So I took this one in 2012 um, and I was like, so when I was in college, I was president of everything, was super involved, slinging shirts. And so I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to take over the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I get older and I see this, I realize that um, being and leaning too much in this direction is also harmful to people that don't work the same way. And so I think what's really important and what's been eye opening is, is having balance, right? So a little bit of a backstory. We just finished our funding round of, of an investment. One of the VCs we met with made our team take a personality test. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to take it and then our whole team did. And uh, he wanted to see how balanced we were um, because he said, you are a disruptor. Um, it's successful. like It's a good dynamic CEO profile, um, but you can't have a bunch of disruptors. 
And so I had Adam take it and Neil take it and all of them stuff. And they said we had one of the most well-balanced teams, which I'm pretty proud of. But it goes to show you can't just have a room full of disruptors and a room full of specialists and collaborators and advocates and enterprise and risk takers, right? Like you have to be balanced out. Um, and I think, I think what's interesting, Bruce, you and I are polar. I think we're very opposite in the way we lead, right? But we both get similar results. Some are just a little uglier than others at Campus Inc. Maybe. <laughs> uh, and there's this book called Wartime and Peacetime CEO. I think it's by Ben Horowitz. And it's like how you deal under pressure. Do you think you're more of like a wartime CEO or a peacetime CEO? What is what is the definition of those? There are CEOs that do better during war or combat, and there are CEOs that do better during peace. Ah, uh, right? okay. Um, does that make sense? Um, I didn't explain it wrong. I'm trying to think of correctly where because I, I get I personally get very fired up when I'm to a wall, or it's like you know you have to fight your way out, but. I do like it more calm and calculated, which actually came out in my personality test. It says peacetime CEOs strive to tolerate deviations from the plan when coupled with effort or creativity. Wartime CEOs are completely intolerant. Peacetime CEOs do not raise their voice. Wartime CEOs rarely speak in a normal tone. Yeah, definitely peacetime CEO. And and that, which is fascinating because in my test, she was like, you run more off gut than database decisions. And I was like, hmm. That's weird that you know that from this test, but okay. And she also mentioned, um, yeah, you, you like it more calm and calculated. Like your your next decision is going to be, you're just going to think it through and then be able to move and you, you want to have a clear field to run on. Uh, well, so definitely peacetime. Do you feel like as you as you built the team, you naturally hired people in different categories. Like, were you thinking about that maybe subconsciously as like, Ooh, that person. Oh, I'm sure. Is, I, I mean, I think just temper- like, you, yeah, just like yeah. you hire people that are like you, I think the rest of our team is very similar as well. Where do you, do you feel like you naturally did that? Like you kind of just balance the team out based on your, your, your voids. Hmm. We're like we need we need firepower, so we're gonna hire a create like someone a little more like. Intense. I think all I I think our team is very calm as well. Hmm. So I think for the most part, they're like some of them may have stronger personalities, but they're definitely more on the calm side. It's not nobody's really more eccentric. But how? Where did you? Can you? Is this public? Is your disc test public? Can you? Can anybody take this? Uh, I think you have to pay to take it. I think it's like okay. 60 or 70 so bucks. D-I-S-C. Look for that test. If you're yeah. interested, again, it's an hour going through it and an hour with a review. I could not recommend it enough to and, see and your holes. You can, I think there are some ones you, there are some that you, this, I took this in 2012. I don't know what the rules are for like, uh, if you can, what you can administer for a future employee. But this would be a really great thing to give an employer, like a future employee, um, to take. Or it might be something that, look, it's going to be a couple thousand dollars. Have everyone in your shop take it and spend a day like an offsite going through your disc. Because um, I think you're going to learn a ton about people. And it's crazy, Bruce, when you look at our our score, I put it in the, in the Google Doc notes. Are you in there right now? Mm-hmm. Um, do you see every dot on there? Yeah. We literally have, I had like 15 people take it and there's literally people in every single one. Yeah. And if Chris, um, you could pop this graphic up, 
it's pretty cool to see where it's essentially, if you're listening on audio, it's like a ring of color around in a circle and different sections. And each one, depending on where you land, have to have different strains. Um, I, I will say too, when we took this recently for the investment, um, so this is pretty cool. They make their investments based on this, trying to use AI and, um, modeling how other companies have done and how their teams are, which is pretty cool. So they wrote us a check, um, just because of how we scored. So go campusing for, for crushing it. Um, but, uh, like my team got fired up about this. They all, they're like, Oh, I'm a traditionalist. Like, Oh, I'm an operator. Oh, I'm a generalist. And they all were like, I, I, literally they were all texting about it, like, this is super cool. <laughs> and so this is, this is a great way for like human resources of something to do for your team. Um, it's not cheap. You're gonna have to pay 50 to hundred bucks a person probably, but it is super, super cool and eye opening, uh, for sure. So, um, yeah, I thought that was, that was super neat. So like Bruce, it. when you read mine, what sticks out to you? I'm just curious what, what's funny knowing um, that young, young Steven took this. I mean, I think it perfectly exemplifies hurricane Steven. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, but it's like, I guess the, the conclusion question though is, are there aspects that you feel like you want to change or do you feel like, no, this is just what it is and I'm doubly dominating? And I don't think either of those are, are wrong answers, by the way. So, so what DISC also has you do is helps you not profile people, but helps you manage them better. So it says like strategies to increase your effectiveness with the C style, right? Um, and I believe, uh, C stands for conscientious, right? So these are people that are ensuring accuracy, stability. Um, you know, they're taking their time, they're reserved and they're quiet. And it tells you, uh, on here, you know, um, what, what you as a DI should lean into and say, when things get tense, you know, like create some space and, um, some opportunity to think through it. You know, it says here, give them space to process the situation before confronting the issue. Be aware that you share tendencies to challenge ideas that might instigate logic. So it helps you to become a better leader by learning how to, how to work with all those people in those different things. So like, I know my tendencies and I have to be conscious of them. And I think it's not trying to change them, maybe trying to change them, but just being aware of them. Like, because Bruce, you know that you're more chill when you get up at print hustlers, you need to like get pumped up beforehand or something. Right. I don't know. Anyways, I thought that was super cool and interesting. If anyone wants mine, um, send me a message. I'll send it to you. <laughs> Take your personality test. It's pretty cool. Um, all right. So last thing I wanted to share something that I found, this was from an executive coach that's helped coach CEOs of Reddit, uh, Coinbase, a lot of VC firms and so on and so on. Um, and he talked about essentially figuring out your superpower to get rid of the rest. And it was essentially like, how long can you run for? And it, and it started sort of with this start with why, which is the Simon Sinek video. If you haven't seen it, just Google Simon S I M O N and then start with why in YouTube and then watch it. It's really powerful. How do you be able to run forever? Right. And because I think the reality is it's very hard when you're doing so many things. So uh, I've got this graphic. If you're watching on, on YouTube, uh, Chris, you could pop up this orange graphic here called zones of work. If you're listening on audio, essentially there's four squares. One is, um, zone of incompetence. 
zone of competence, zone of excellence, and zone of genius. There are four, th- those are basically the four squares that we can all play in at work. Um, the, and essentially the tasks that you do every day. So, uh, the zone of excellence, I mean, you know, zone of incompetence is, makes sense, right? Like, I just don't know how to be able to do it. Zone of competence, I could do it, but it's okay. Uh, zone of excellence, if there are areas where you're excellent in, but really don't enjoy doing every day. Um, so your customers will get value from doing these tasks, right? Like maybe working with them, drumming up sales, whatever, but you get drained by them. So you're very good at it, but you get drained by it. That's the excellent zone. And then the last zone is zone of genius. So those are the ones that you're uniquely good at as well, but you also enjoy them in a way where you lose track of time when you're doing it. So you could be sitting there and it could be dark. Uh, you missed dinner and, and those are incredible, um, tasks that you're supposed to be focusing on. And when you think about planning your day, there's two types of tasks, essentially tasks that drain your energy and tasks that give you energy. Right. And so what they suggested was write down the stuff you're actually doing, not, not what you want to do, but after you do a task, write it down. And then for the whole week, look at them and circle the ones that actually give you energy. And essentially you want to be spending, your goal is to be spending 80% of your time doing energy driving uh, zone of genius type of exercises. And if you're not doing at least 80%, then you're essentially grinding yourself down. Now I think there's a point where everybody has to do all of those exercises to get things done. But over time and crafting the business you want to be in and be a part of getting into that zone of genius that you're spending 80% of your time on, um, that could be recruiting or training people that could be, um, hosting community events that could be sales, whatever it is that you lose track of time. If you're doing 80% of that, then you're good to go and you can really multiply, um, the growth of your business. But then the key kicker is finding people that find, uh, their zone of genius in the rest of the, the, the stuff that you were doing before. What, what's your zone of genius, Bruce? You know, it used, I'm, I, it's funny you ask that cause I feel like I'm still figuring it out, but it used to be building product and designing things. So if I, you know, have my laptop out and I'm, I'm building features and new functionality and designing cool things, I could go till 2 AM and then wake up again at six and then keep going and do it. But that has shifted because it's like, do you want to be an engineer or do you want to be the leader of the business. And so it, it required thinking, which they mentioned is okay if you then have a president step in at some point, right? Um, to be able to run the day-to-day to allow you to step back and do the things that you care about. So that that kind of, I don't want to say hit home, but I, I think it was important for us all to remember is, all right, next year, I want to be doing 80% of energy generating zone of genius activities. And I know here's what I have to do. And here's the people I need to hire to get there and breaking it down to eventually running a business like that. I think this is, I'm like reading this and I'm like stumped. What's something that you do effortless for you that blows others away? I don't know. I don't know because I like to dabble in a little of everything. Like I'm not, 
I have to learn to be a CEO. I have to learn to be a manager. I have to learn to do HR. I have to learn, you know, to do that stuff. Um, but I don't know. I feel like sometimes an owner gets diluted. Yeah, this is, you you get diluted and you're like, Oh, what do you like? I love, I love teaching sales. And I think sales is my zone of genius. Um, but I have to like stop doing that because it's almost my fallback when other parts of the business are needed. Um, so I think that's really interesting. I wonder if you were to ask all your employees and give them this chart, what they would say. It's a, it's an interesting question. Yeah. It, it, it would be interesting, right? Cause there are, like you said, just for you too, there's jobs to be done. And then there's the ideal target of, of where you're headed. But I think I, what I think psychologically this is, is it's what we talked about when Rob Derdick was on Twitter saying, you need to figure out what your exit is not as much of a selling a business thing, but where are you going with the business and where do you want, like, what do you want to be focusing on? Does, do you want it to be cash flowing? Do you want it? And, and if so, then do you want to make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is, uh, then back into that, what do you want to spend your time doing? What are the things that give you energy? And then awesome. That's my three-year plan. Here's how I break it's I think you can absolutely break it down into quarters or even into months to be able to get there, knowing the revenue you need to hit to hire the right people, um, to get the right culture and, and vibe that that makes you want to last forever. I think what when it means like how do I last forever, you're going to do a little of everything, right? Like that's just, it is what it is, right? But if for, if you know those people that can like time study really, have you ever done a time study? No, I like, I can't even get it done. Right. Like I spent 15 minutes doing this and then I spent 15 minutes doing that. And it's like, how do you last forever? You know that like the area of under the curve is always in your zone of genius, but it's also in your zone of genius becomes your comfort zone. Does that make sense? Like when you just feel like you're flowing versus having to do, because the other stuff is what burns you out. Um, I would say mm-hmm. zone of excellence and genius are like the two most important, right? Mm-hmm. This is super interested. I'm going to share this with my whole team. Um, <laughs> it's a good tweet. I, I just pasted the, uh, I'll, I'll put, I'll put the tweet in the, uh, we'll put the tweet in the show notes so you guys can see it as well. Um, as always, uh, we've just been gotten, getting a lot of cool feedback. So like, uh, shoot us a message. Um, if this is interesting, if you want to hear more about it, um, leave it in the comments or just shoot us, shoot us something on Instagram or something. I don't know. I think this is super fascinating. So could talk about this stuff forever. Thanks for joining in. We'll see you in the next episode.